I'm still not getting accustomed to that when I, yeah. Tell me y'all heard that. Please, please tell me that y'all heard that. <laughs> I'm still not getting accustomed and it gives them fits up in the booth that when we step up here, we've hit the record button for what goes on the radio next week. And it's real difficult for me to get up here and not express appreciation to elements of worship that we have just enjoyed. The choir special uh, and Sarah singing the sleed was the uh, our present, one of our presentations at Choir Fest the other week. <clears throat> and I, I sat and, and to hear at that time, I sat and wept. I, I just wept. And uh, what a powerful, powerful presentation. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, after baptism, I'm in the baptistry trying to get ready to come out here, and I hear the choir, and I hear a solo voice, and I'm like, who in the world is that? And I learned later it was Jill Campbell. And now Jill has come to sing for us here as a solo. Thank you, thank you, Jill. Would you express one more time our appreciation to this time of worship? Thank you, John. Our primary text today is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses the chapter 1 through 58, and we will look at sections of it. It is David and Goliath, that very powerful passage. And the title of the message is Goliath Will Fall, subtitled How to Resist the Devil. Now, those of you who may uh, be aware of Louis Giglio, read his books, uh, one of his latest ones is entitled Goliath Must Fall, subtitled Winning the Battle Against Your Giants, and the encouragement is, is to focus on the size of our God and not on the size of our giants. Now that, that's extremely, extremely critical. I had hoped today to work in two different arenas, but it's gonna be impossible. And that is to speak to our personal private giants, but also at the same time to address the public uh, national giants that we are facing. And I'm just gonna have to focus on what is happening in our world, in our culture. It is getting worse, I know you know that, and we search within our hearts, you know, what, what can we do? And so I changed the title to, let me tell you, at some point, because of yesterday's news, Goliath will fall, friends. Goliath is an image of our ongoing struggle against Satan. And the Bible has some very clear guidance on how to resist, how to resist the devil. James chapter four, verse seven, in, in the margins of my notes here says, resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. First Peter chapter five speaks about our adversary as a roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour that is the image of Satan prowling around, uh, looking what he can get into. And it just simply says there from the apostle Peter to resist him, to resist him. I pray a prayer. Sometimes God gives me a prayer that I pray with my head up and my eyes open. And this is my prayer over the, these next few moments. And that is naturally I am praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to present this word 
And I am praying for this word to be prophetic, but I am praying also for this word to be very, very positive. Too often we come away from this type focus, and I've shared with you before, I have been guilty more than anybody through the years to rant and rave about situations going on in our nation or in the world, and it really doesn't do a whole lot of good. It's entertaining, amen? When we would come to patriotic holidays in some churches, people would call the church and want to know, is Brother Bill preaching patriotic this Sunday because they wanted to come for the entertainment, amen? They thought, man, he is going to rant and rave. Well, I, I, I get older, I get more mature, I pray, and I want us to be very powerful. I want us to be prophetic, meaning speaking forth the Word of God, but also some positive guidance on how that we can resist the evil influences in our nation and in our world with the assurance that, friend, one day Goliath will fall. And I pray that in the name of Jesus for his glory. Now, there's some guidelines. There are some wonderful examples here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know the backstory. David is the youngest of Jesse's sons. He is the one, the most unlikely being the youngest, that has been anointed by God to be the next king after Saul. Israel was constantly at war with the Philistines. And David's older brothers would go. David would not go. He was not old enough. And he had to tend, as he would tell you, his father's sheep. But every once in a while, his dad would send David to his brothers with some provisions, some corn, some cheese, and some things for the army. Well, on this occasion, uh, David is there. He's brought those provisions. He's visiting with his brothers and among the troops who are cowering in a trench. And at a certain point, and the Philistines are on the other hillside, Goliath walks out. And I won't go into how tall or how big he was, but he was absolutely mammoth. And he intimidated the armies of Israel. He put out a challenge, send me your best to do battle with me. And if I win, you are my servants. If he wins, I'm your servants. Not a soul budged from among the army of Israel. David is taking all this in and he begins to make his move. The first thing in resisting the power of the devil, the giant that is stalking our land now, is as David does, and number one is, stand up for God. Stand up for God. I love what he says here in, in verse 26, and these verses are there for you to look at later. David is seeing this, and he is just absolutely aghast. And he wanted to know, now what's going to be done for the man that kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? And then he says, who is this guy? Who is this that defies the armies of the living God? Now, this is kind of all kind of just kind of reached a real peak with me this past week, listening over and over and over. You know, the news cycle does not change. It's the same old pathetic 
pitiful, liberal, quote, progressive, woke news, some of the most ridiculous things that are happening in our nation, the thought processes, and I am just sitting there, and I'm like a lot of you, I'm trying to just figure out, who are these people? Where did they come from? How did they get to this point in their life? And we know, we know that it is the spirit of Satan. We know that's the spirit of Satan. And as I share, yes, politics is important. Parties are important. Voting is important. But more important than all of these is the church of Jesus Christ taking a strong stance for Almighty God. And that's just like the boy David, we need, to, we need to begin to say, who do you think you are? And we know who they think they are. They think that they are Lord God Almighty. I mentioned one of my brothers. You know that I'm the oldest of, of three boys. And believe it or not, I am the smallest of the three. Uh, my brother Ken, who's only two and a half years younger than me, I mentioned him. He's my state football championship player. He's my Marine veteran. And he is a massive, massive man. Well, we, when we were kids, we were all about the same size. And, and we talk about the old days. These were the days when on Sunday afternoon, uh, our neighborhood was like some of these uh, nostalgic movies you see of a bunch of little boys getting together, playing ball, running all over the neighborhood. And that's what we did, man. Uh, we broke uh, shingles on every house in the neighborhood and maybe broke a few windows and had mud trails in everybody's yard. We just, whatever it was, that's what we did. Well, on Sunday afternoon during football season, we'd like to go over to our grammar school. We walked over there. We walked through the woods. There was no problem. And we would play football, and it was not flag football. It was real. No helmets, no pads, nothing, man. Well, I've told you before, I'm not an athlete, you know, uh, I don't have eye-hand coordination, but I'm going to tell you what now. You get after me, I can run like the wind. So <laughs> we, we got Jerry Lee here. God bless him. You know Jerry. He is a Hall of Fame athlete, and he's a little fella, and he comes by and sits with us, and his mother didn't want him to play ball. And she would tell him, son, they're going to key, and he'd say, mama, they got to catch me first. So they would give me the ball and I would cut out like, I mean, man, there was flames behind me. I'm not exaggerating. And I mean, I was, I was way down the field and I could hear somebody behind me, couldn't catch me, but reached out just enough to shove me off the field, down a little bank and into a ditch. I'm laying there trying to figure out where I am and what's happened. And all of a sudden I realized there's a fight going on up on the field. So I make the smart decision, I'm just going to stay right where I am. I just laid there, and when it quietened down, I heard Ken say to the rest of them, don't y'all be picking on my big brother now. Picking on my big brother, and he was twice the size of me. Well, let me tell you, it's time that we said to the world, don't be picking on our God, amen? Don't be defaming, defying, and blaspheming our God, and when we say this about standing up and standing for God, I want to remind you that I'm constantly emphasizing that as a church, 
One of the questions that we've got to answer is are we going to be known for what we stand for or what we stand against? And when we stand up for God, I want to be known for what we stand for and that is for life and for love and for forgiveness and truth and righteousness and joy and peace and moderation, the truths of our faith because, and I share this often, Dale Carney in his book on how to win friends and influence people is he says, if it's honey you want, don't kick over the beehive. If we want people to know who our God is, invite Jesus Christ into their life, it ain't gonna do no good to holler and scream and rant and rave and fuss at them, amen? We are to be seeking to attract them to the kingdom of God and not to attack them. We need to stand for God but we stand in a way, we stand in that way that people will say, there's a better way, there's a better way. Let me tell you, the world is playing by Satan's playbook. We are to be playing by God's playbook, friends. This is our playbook that we are to be playing by. And I had a theology professor in seminary back when there was what was going on in the 70s, this battle of the Bible business, whether the Bible was true or not. And this professor said, let me tell you boys how to defend the Bible. You defend the Bible like you defend a lion. Turn it loose. Turn the word of God loose and it does not return void. Amen? When we stand up for God, it's not because we are out there. Yes, we are standing against what this world is promoting, but we are standing for something better. I heard just yesterday, and this is, it's amazing what's going on in the world, and that is Wharton College of Business, attached to the University of Pennsylvania, has put on their agenda a new major. You can go there and you can major, and this was it, you can major in, a diver in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I like what they said in the news, and that is years ago when you went to Wharton, you majored in how to produce goods and services and make a profit. And that's what America has done lost sense of, of the whole sense of capitalism and all. Well, here's the point I'm fixing to make. Diversity, Equity and inclusion is nothing new. That's our God. Jesus came to affirm who we are, made in the image of God, the gifts that he has given us, and that we are all created equal, and that we have these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we are living in a world that is taking away everybody's identity, don't even know whether they're a boy or a girl, and, and all of this, and they are being imprisoned. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? I actually heard a big time preacher stop in the middle of his sermon and ask, are y'all with me? Listen, we stand and I know you are. And so how do we resist the devil? We take our stand for God. And the second thing then that David had to deal with was to resist discouragement. He had to risk discouragement. And that is, when he began to say, man, what's going on here? Why don't somebody do something? His brothers told him, well, you're just a little smart aleck. You need to get back home. 
Then the other men in the army also told him that, look, you don't know what you're talking about. And then Saul told him, you're just a boy. You can't, you can't take him on. And then when he did meet Goliath on the battlefield, Goliath mocked him as if he were a dog. And so we have to resist discouragement. As I've shared with you often, C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters says that when we become a Christian, Satan changes his strategies. He can no longer keep us from accepting Jesus Christ, but he can really keep us from being effective by discouraging us in our walk with the Lord. And David would say, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I want to tell you, friend, and this will be the most downhill part of the message, the situation we're facing in America right now is serious. It is absolutely serious. And you and I know, you and I know, as people of the truth, people of the truth, this nation now is being led by liars, friends. Amen? It's all a lie. It's all a lie. And it's it. And, and, and here, I've got to be dip tough here. And that is, we are being subjected to a pack of lies from hell. And they are lying with a straight face. And the sad thing is, is they believe their own lies. They believe this. They believe that this is the way that a nation should go. And this is a serious situation. And I'm going to give you an illustration here in a moment that I pray, because this is, this is prophetic, I'm telling you, friend. This is the Word of God. Jesus told the Pharisees, you're liars. And you're just like your father, the devil, who is the father of lies. Lies come straight from the pit of hell. And unless these individuals, you stay with me, began to wake up, hear the truth, and accept the truth, one day the devil and his lies is going right straight back to the pits of hell, and those who believe those lies are going with him, friends. We need to know that this is a serious situation. Now here's where we should be. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, has proposed, you know, putting billboards all over America promoting pro-choice. Come to California. Come to California. If you have not picked up on this, and he has proposed, and I don't know if they're going up yet, to put on those billboards, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know if he means that we in California love people in Texas, so pro-choice people come here. We in California, we love people in New York, so y'all come on over here. Well, let me tell you, I heard a blip on the news, and I Googled it, and you need to Google it, a seven-minute appeal by John MacArthur of Grace Community Church there in California appealing to his congregation to pray for the soul of Gavin Newsom. And with that stance... He is in eternal danger. This is serious business. 
And we need to be praying for the salvation of those who are believing the lies, living the lies, and perpetrating the lies because this is a serious business. We need to be praying for their salvation. And that was so powerful. As MacArthur led that massive church, multi-campus church, he is extremely popular as a Bible expositor. And he said, I want you to join me in praying for our governor, for his soul, for his soul. We resist discouragement. The third thing we do is we remember past victories. When they told David it couldn't be done, David said, well, I got news for you. When I was keeping my father's sheep, a lion came out, a bear came out. I killed him. I even grabbed the lion by the beard and took a lamb out of his mouth. I know that I can do this. Well, let me tell you, friend, we need to be reminded of past victories. And that is the devil's resume is failure, 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 failure. He was in heaven as a premier angel. He failed at that because of his evil and his pride and his arrogance and he got kicked out of heaven. He wound up in the Garden of Eden. He failed at that. Leading God's precious first children to disobey God. And he's wrecked havoc all over the world and he really thought that his coup d'etat was coming 2,000 years ago when he looked at his prophetic schedule and knew that this Jesus of Nazareth was going to show up one weekend in Jerusalem and the Son of God and the devil said, I'll be there. I'll be there. And when Jesus died on that cross, the devil thought it was his victory. When Jesus was placed in that tomb, sealed in Roman guards, the devil thought, I have finally succeeded in this battle. But on that third day, that stone rolled away and out came Jesus Christ's glory. Amen. And the devil is doomed, friends. He's not going to win. He's not going to win but he sure can make a mess. And we need to remember that we're going to come out on top, but we are not to sit around and do nothing just waiting for Jesus to come back. The fourth thing in resisting this giant in our land, choose proven weapons. Choose proven weapons. Saul tried to put his armor on David, and David couldn't even walk. Sword was too big, dragging it along. In verses 38 and 39 of chapter 17, he tells Saul that I, I, I can't even walk with this stuff on, and I have not tested them. And so David took them off. And he's just in a little kilt as a little shepherd boy. And then in verse 40 it says, And then he took his staff, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. 
Hallelujah. You know what? This is enough. This is enough. This is a sling and five smooth stones, friend. And this will fall any giant in the land. Amen? This is enough right here. This is enough. And so David takes those proven weapons, meets him on the battlefield, and Satan, and, and the Goliath, which is the spirit of Satan in him, of evil, is toning him, ridiculing him, threatening him that he's just going to tear him limb from limb. Now, pardon me, and I can't help myself, because these crazy thoughts come to me. And we didn't know it, but David is the one that invented rock and roll. (laughs) I'm sorry. He put a rock right there in Goliath's forehead, and Goliath fell and rolled down that hill, friends. And that was the first rock and roll. Well, I want to tell you, glory to God, we got some proven weapons, and I'm telling you, we can make the devil rock and roll again in America, friends. You can make him rock and roll in your life. Jesus in the wilderness, Satan confronted him head on. Jesus had prayer, and he had the word of God. Every time Satan spoke a lie, Jesus answered with the word of God. Let me tell you, friend, we have prayer, we have the Word of God, but now we have Jesus Himself. And I like what Martin Luther said so long ago, and that is, when Satan knocks at the door of your heart, let Jesus answer the door. We've got prayer, we've got the Word of God, the truth, You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This is what we are to be sharing. Notice, I have not mentioned one particular horrid thing that is being promoted in America because I want to be known for what the people of God are promoting. And that is life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, equality, diversity, inclusion, They would just croak if they knew that these were basic Christian principles, you know? And they're going to try to do it on their own. And we have Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And then the last, how to resist the devil. As David begins to approach Goliath, he tells Goliath, you come at me, you've defied my God. You've come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, and I come at you in the name of the Lord. That's how we go. We go and resist that giant in the name of the Lord. And we got to be practical. We got to be practical. The Word of God is practical. You got to vote. You say, I don't know who to vote for. God laid on my heart when you go in that booth. You're going to have to be choosing sometimes between two, and neither one of them are really stellar. But you pray, God, which one of these do we have the best chance of the truth? And there's some of them there that have an inkling of the truth in them. In the truth in them. I thought 
if every one of us would call 10 people and tell them, be sure you vote. You're not telling them how to vote. Be sure you vote. Think about that. Because we have to put feet to our prayers. We have to put action to our beliefs and to work with the system that God has given us, democracy. And if we do so in the name of the Lord, we'll begin to see some changes. I'm going to tell you, Goliath will fall. But I'm ready for him to fall, aren't you? I am ready. We sing a hymn of invitation. I invite you, however God has spoken to your heart,